Hi, Fight For You podcast is about our scariest thoughts, memories, and experiences. Every other week, I'm speaking with a new guest. These stories are rooted in pain, love, grief, heartache, and most of all, how they've overcome their biggest challenges. Fight For You brings vulnerability, and you can have the chance to share your story too. You can reach out anytime to remember that you are not alone. This is Fight For You. Follow me along on my journey as we break the stigma. I'm Lily, and today's story is about Allie. Allie's a coach and nutritionist, but also the owner of Forced Strength and Conditioning in Bellevue, Washington, where she coaches all ages to become the best version of themselves. Allie incorporates her own experiences into how she coaches. For example, she keeps all of her clients accountable to lead their own journey. Her work is powerful and she reaches all ages. She encourages healthy habits, happy lifestyle and accountability into all of her work that she does. Allie had a whirlwind of experiences since she was a baby. At a young age, Allie's mother stole her from her father, brought her to Washington and changed her name. Her mother abused drugs and when she was in elementary school, she learned what she had been living with was not normal. Allie started to flush drugs down the toilet and her mom became physical with her. She was in and out of the foster care system from ages 12 to 16. While she was in her first house, Allie had a traumatic experience which has scarred her forever. Allie told herself from a young age that she never wanted to be anything like her mother. So she did just that. She has worked towards everything she has today and she deserves every bit of it. Despite the heartbreak, grief and loss she suffered, She was able to overcome her challenges and now makes a change in other people's lives. This is Allie's story. Allie is joining me here today. I'm honored you're here with me today, Allie. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Of course. I'm really glad you could be here. All right. Why don't we start at the beginning of your childhood? Would you mind telling us a little bit about that? Yeah, so let's see. Um, My childhood was pretty rough, to be honest. Um, I know I had mentioned to you before that my mom had stole me when I was a baby, you Mm -hmm. know, from my dad. When I was one, um, she stole me because she didn't really, you know, uh, like the way that my dad was telling her that uh, she could not do drugs and be a mom at the same time. So my mom decided that she would take matters into her own hands and just uh, leave California. So that's what she did. And she took me with her. And uh, because of that, um, I unfortunately missed out on a lot of things that I think, you know, babies and kids can experience from a healthy, loving, you know, two parent family. Mm -hmm. So the beginning of my life was pretty rough, to say the least. Yeah, and you didn't even know like what was happening. No, no, I mean, because you were such a baby. For sure, yeah. I mean, it, you know, when you're a kid, you really have no, um, you have no way of knowing how you're going to be raised, unfortunately, and and it's pretty sad because the way that you're raised is kind of like the way your parents are raised. It's it's a little bit of a conditioning um, system that we have going on, and uh, we can deep digger and de- dig deeper into that. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it like to have the realization that the drugs that had been in your life and that you had, like, been seeing so much was not a normal account in other people's lives? 
Well, this was like uh, back when the D.A.R.E. program came into play. You know, mm-hmm. this was back in the 80s. You guys don't know this, but um, uh, where it, like police officers and, and like, you know, detectives would, would come to the schools, elementary schools, and they'd yeah. have boards with like, you know, bags of drugs stapled to them. And I was like, <laughs> what the heck? I was like, that that's what I, I see on my kitchen table every day. You know, yeah. like I had scales of cocaine and marijuana and different things, paraphernalia all over my house. You know, and this was probably, I think it was like fourth grade. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. That, they did I, that program really young. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. Um, and actually that kind of like saved me a little bit because it brought me to the realization like, what's going on at your house is not what everybody else is doing. <laughs> yeah. Did you feel like you needed to like go tell someone or you kind of were just like, I'm just going to take it into my own hands? You know, I didn't tell anyone um, because uh, there was a lot of shame, first of all you know, shame of like, wow, this is not cool. And not, and it's not, not necessarily like I was afraid that my, my mom and my, my stepdad or whatever you wanted to call him, um, uh, would get in trouble is mostly like, would I get in trouble? You know, because, yeah, because yeah. you just don't know as a child, like, oh my gosh, like I'm living in that situation. Am I going to get in trouble too? So you mm-hmm. kind of like hide it, Yeah, you know, absolutely. and I was really good at it too. Yeah, you mentioned that you started flushing the drugs. <laughs> Once you did find out and your mom became physical with you, how did you deal with it and what gave you strength? Because you were so really young. Yeah, I was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I used to, <laughs> I used to flush down her, her drugs and, boy, I got into so much trouble. I mean, to the point where she would, you know, uh, like hit me with broomsticks and, okay. you know, just like, I mean, it was it was bad. It was very, very physically violent. Uh-huh. Um and I think what the, the strength that that made me do that was, listen, I can't tell anybody what's going on, so I'm going to just do it on my own and see what happens. And even though I would get beat for it or, you know, she would say mean things to me, I just knew in my heart that I needed to do something to take a stance against her. Yeah. I have no idea what why. I mean, I, I feel like I, I was blessed in some way to have that realization, you yeah. know? How long were you flushing the drugs for? Gosh. Probably for about three years consistently. Oh, really? okay. Yeah, yeah. And she was so drugged up, anyways. Like half the time, she wouldn't even know. Uh-huh. You know, you just took them off the kitchen counter. Yeah, or I knew where their stashes were. Yeah. You know? I mean, we lived in a really, really big, huge house that is now actually apartments. Oh, and, really? Yeah, in Marysville. Oh, that's so. When cool, I was a kid, though. yeah. And we had a basement that mm-hmm. um, was like we probably had like four to five hundred pot plants. <laughs> in our basement yeah and and like and there was you know there was a lot of different parties going on at all hours and you know they just weren't really aware of what I was doing half the time yeah what do you think an adult could have done for you wow so I didn't really I didn't really um trust adults Mm -hmm. to be completely honest yeah so I really don't know what an adult could do for me back then because I like I said I didn't trust them Mm -hmm. um so it, I think it goes both ways. Like, well, an adult could reach out to me, but if I didn't trust adults because I couldn't trust my own parents, then, you know, what could they have done? Looking back now as an adult who I feel like people can trust, you know, I would, I would probably say um, what they could have done is just listened instead of, um, like, put blame or shame, yeah. you know. Because with the role you have today, do you, do you regret reaching out or do you just have that, like, I hope people reach out to me now? 
I don't regret it because like I said, people don't, especially back then, people don't really know, didn't know how to deal with certain situations yeah. like that. Um, right now there's a lot more resources and mm-hmm. people kind of like, you know, I'm going to step in anyways type yeah, of absolutely. thing. Back then, you know, in the early eighties, people didn't really talk about it, yeah, you know, it's kind of just like under the rug. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm. I'm fortunate enough to to kind of take my own, you know, my own situation in my own hands. Yeah. And I think that's what has made me the person I am today, too. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. From the ages 12 to 16, you were in and out of foster care system. What was that experience like being separated from your mom, then bring, being brought back and then separated again? Wow. Yeah. So, you know, <sighs> this sounds horrible, but I actually liked being away from my mom Mm -hmm. you know in certain aspects but then there was also an aspect where it was um it was normal like my life was normal when I was at my house so taking away that normalcy kind of gave me a little other uh, other kind of like insecurities you Mm -hmm. know like even though my 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 norm was not normal yeah it was my norm Mm -hmm. so being taken out of a search situation like that did you know put into place some insecurities within myself but also I was kind of glad in some aspects as well yeah that's not really good for you know your psyche but it kind of made you realize like who you can depend on absolutely you know yeah um from a a young age you mentioned you had never wanted to be like your mother did you have any fears that came with this and any hopes yeah for sure I mean, I just knew, like I said, at the at the from a very early age, I didn't want to be like her because she just disgusted me. Mm-hmm. You know, from the way that she carried herself to the way that you know she would portray who she was on the outside, but I knew what was going on in the inside. Yeah. Um, and then um, the way that she would treat me, treat others. You know, um, and and like she didn't live authentically. You know, she would like I said, portray this person on the outside. We would, we have, you know, like lavish cars and homes and we were always dressed really nice. But then on the inside, you know, inside our home, there was a lot of abuse. There was a lot of physical, mental, you know, abuse and, mm-hmm. you know, drugs and partying and things that I should have never seen as a child, you know, um, that, that made me fearful of being a parent my own of my own, yeah. you know, like, Oh my gosh, even though I have the strong will of not wanting to be like her, what if I actually will be like her, mm-hmm. even though I don't want to be, Yeah, you know, that is a very scary thing to be as a parent, you know, to think, Oh my gosh, I hope I'm not like my, my parents, mm-hmm. you know, if, if there was a bad situation that you grew up with, yeah, you know, cause I didn't have those role models as a parent to be a parent, mm-hmm. you know, so that really scared me having kids. Um, but the, the hope for me was that, um, I, like I said, because I didn't want to be like her, it was very, very hopeful for me that I could keep that vow to myself. Yeah. You know, that was probably like, you seem like the type of person that likes to challenge yourself. And so that's like another challenge that you can give yourself. Yeah. Um, obviously has worked. Yeah. It's successful. Yeah. Um, and you, so you didn't meet your dad until you're eight years old and you mentioned to me that he had another family without Mm -hmm. you. Did that bring any jealousy or anything like that? Yeah, a lot, you know, um, I didn't, I didn't get to meet my dad until I was eight. Cause that was, um, you know, the first time, uh, that my mom would actually allow me to see him. Um, actually we kind of snuck around, my grandparents snuck around for me to see him and she got word of it and there's really nothing that she could do. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, I was super jealous because my dad and his, his wife, who I love dearly, um, you know, had these two beautiful girls who, you know, were in dance and they had, you know, they, you know, they had these, this, this family, you know, two of them together. And my dad was so loving and gentle and generous. And I I really wanted that in my life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my dad actually passed away when he was 49 years old in 2002. Um, and of a heart attack and at his his funeral I did get up and speak and I had mentioned you know that I was I was I was a little envious of my sisters you know my half sisters and because they got to spend so much time with my father but then I look I look back at it and you know even though there's envy or jealousy mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that you know you have to feel any ill feelings towards that situation it just made me more grateful Mm -hmm. of the experience I got to have with them yeah do you have a relationship still with those his daughters I do yeah I mean I don't talk to them you know very often because we didn't grow up with each other Mm -hmm. and it's still there's still some you know little back you know background stuff but they they both know and I know that whenever we need each other we're there for each other no matter what you know we're family yeah you know um and there's there's nothing that you know, can happen that will tear us apart. So yeah, that's an awesome like support system too. That like isn't always there, but if you need it to be, for sure, you can just go there. Yeah. Um. So what was it like growing up without a dad? Like, in you obviously had that missing in your childhood when there were the drugs and all of mm-hmm. the things that a teenager and a young child goes through. Yeah. Um. Did you ever feel like that was just missing from you completely? Yeah, because I did, you know, I did have friends who had amazing fathers, you know, that I got to look up to um, when I would, you know, go to their homes or stay with them, mm-hmm. you know, kind of live with them here and there. Yeah. But it just wasn't the same, you know, of having your own father growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, growing up without a father in my life, it it almost is like, did I really miss out on something or... Um, was I just yearning for something, you yeah. know, because, you know, I've been a single mom for a very, very long time and raised kids on my own. And, you know, even though they do have their dads in their life, um, I try the best that I can to be both roles. So even if you don't have a father figure in your life or a f- actual father in your life, that doesn't really necessarily mean that you have to use that. As, as a crutch of like, well, I didn't have a father in my life, so this is why I'm, I'm acting like this. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Um, so you have four children now, which is amazing. <laughs> how has your childhood affected how you parent? Yeah, so um, so I have three who are biological, and then I have um, one who I have, I have taken under my wings. Um, and I, you know... The, only, the reason why I, do, I did that is because it, it, my childhood has led me to be a parent that I had wished I would hope to be. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I realize what not to do, <laughs> you know, that's huge. Mm-hmm. But I also realize that parenting in itself is, doesn't have a playbook. Yep. You know, so you have to really like focus on how you would want to be treated in that moment, not just as a child, but as an individual. Yeah. You know, that's how I parent my kids. Like, I just don't listen to them. Okay. I hear yeah. them. Yeah. That is huge as a parent. Mm-hmm. You know, 
listening and hearing are two different things. Absolutely. You know, and I yeah. know a lot of, you know, your listeners can, can kind of, you know, understand what I'm talking about. You know, it's listening and hearing two different things. And yeah. especially for parents out there, you know, you have to really understand that parenting is hard. Yeah. You know, even I can imagine being a parent, especially yeah. now. Yeah. And especially if you didn't have role models as a parent. Yeah. You know, because we tend to parent, like I said, how we were parented. And if it wasn't good, then what do you do? Yeah. What you know? are you looking for? Like, how do you present that another way? Right. Because you so, don't want to be like how you were parented. Totally, totally. Um, and even if you had a really good childhood, there's still some things that you could be lacking that you didn't even know, you know, until you actually have kids. Yeah. And so my way of parenting is unconditional. You know, there's a lot of people, a lot of parents, grandparents, a lot of thing, people out there who put conditions on, on love, you know, yeah. and there should never be conditions on love mm-hmm. ever. Ever. You know, so I, I parent unconditionally and I just love them to pieces. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing any of my kids can ever say, do to me or to anyone that I will ever say, well, I don't love you anymore. You yeah. know, that's, that's unacceptable. Yeah. And then it, it's a daily learning experience. It really is. I learned so much from my kids. It's not even funny. I learned more about myself being a parent than I ever would if I wasn't a parent. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I love being a parent. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you've always been helping others and paying it forward since as long as you can remember. You excelled in school and then became a nurse and then you are now into coaching. You've consistently been helping others. Do you ever feel that you weren't helping yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. Yeah, I've done a lot of therapy a lot of, you know, self-help journeys, a lot of, you know, listening to podcasts, a lot of, um, you know, self-help books, yeah, you know, so many different things. Um, but, you know, when it all comes down to it, if you aren't really listening to your inner voice and yourself, all that outside noise and things that you're searching for, you know... <coughs> Um, isn't going to work. Yeah. You know, you're, you have to like find time at least every day to like nurture yourself. And I have this thing that I do every morning. You have 17 seconds when you wake up to determine how you're going to feel that day. You do. You wake up, you have 17 seconds to feel what kind of emotion you're going to have that day. Now, if you wake up sad, guess what? The rest of your day, you're going to feel like crap. So you have 17, yeah, you have 17 seconds to choose. Now, I'm, am I going to turn this around? You have the choice to do that. Okay. So that's what I, I practice every morning. You practice that every morning? I do. Wow. How mm-hmm. long have you been doing that for? Oh, probably, like, consistently, probably in the last six months. Okay. I used to do it, like, you know, different times, but, like, in the last six months, consistently every morning. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I'll take that into my life. I, I definitely, the listeners could take that. Yeah, too. for sure. So how do you think your story has affected how you coach? You, you're you really big on accountability. I am. So how does that kind of play into your mm-hmm. coaching mm-hmm. and just all of that? Yeah, so um, because of the lack of accountability <laughs> that I had <laughs> in my life, um, I... I really um, 
I think I, I expect accountability from others because I expect it from myself. Now I'm not just, and I'm not saying that I have great accountability from my, for myself every single day. There's, there's no way that I can live like that. You know, I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm far from it, you know? Um, but accountability for myself, you know, helps me uh, teach accountability for, for others as a coach, especially, and for my kids, you know? Um, and, I like, you know, we, we talked about this before that, you know, you are your own person. So you need to figure out how you can take accountability for yourself. Do you think accountability is so important to you because you never had that as a child? Definitely. Definitely. Like it, it was huge, you know, I, and especially for, you know, most of your listeners too, you know, there is, you know, and I, and I had this too where, you know, oh, my parent doesn't care what I do. You know, and, yeah. and, and in reality, my parent really didn't care what I do. I could mm-hmm. be, I mean, luck, luckily I was a really good kid. I didn't, you know, do Take a lot of crap. Of yeah. Where I could have taken a lot of advantage of it. You know, yeah. I mean, they, you know, partied all night and slept all, all day. I could be wherever doing whatever, you know. And so there was an accountability mm-hmm. where, you know, especially right now, it's like, well, you know, I could do whatever I want. My parents don't care. But when, in all actuality, everybody needs accountability and they need structure. I now, I thrive on structure. If I don't have structure in my life, then I end up doing nothing. Yeah. I find myself getting depressed, doing nothing. And then it's kind of like this downward spiral Mm -hmm. where kids need accountability and structure. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, you don't want to get in trouble because you did something. Right. Mm -hmm. But you need to have like I said, that accountability. Yeah. Because it makes you a an, a, an amazing adult for later in life mm-hmm. to where if you're having accountability for yourself, then you emulate accountability around others and then you don't have to get frustrated when yeah. people aren't, <laughs> you know, accountable yeah, for things. Absolutely. You know, so kind of like practice what you preach. Yeah. What gave you structure then as a child? Because you didn't have any that was put in place. So you had to put it in place for yourself. That's a good question because at the at like a very early age, even at five years old, you know, I was getting myself ready for kindergarten. You know, I was getting myself dressed. Thank goodness I lived right down the street from my elementary school, and I would just walk to school every day. I got myself up because, like I said, my she slept during the day. I had to get myself up. I used to wear a key around my my neck. We called them latch key kids okay. back in my day, okay. where you had a, your house key around your neck. <laughs> it was under my shirt. You know, nobody knew. I would walk to school, walk home, you know, open the door. They'd still be sleeping and make myself whatever, go upstairs and do whatever, do my thing, you know? Yeah. So honestly, I don't, you know, I, whatever you believe in, in this world, you know, if you believe in God, you believe in, you know, there's a higher power, there's a belief in source or whatever. Mm -hmm. I believe that we are chosen to do certain things, you know, on this planet. And, and I believe that I was chosen to be a person to, you do something and, yeah. and, and I think that's why we're talking right yeah, now, absolutely. you know, everything that I've done in my life has led me to this moment in time. Yeah. And so I, I don't know, to be honest, it myself. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yourself gave you structure. Yeah. So when you fall off of that accountability now, because that's so important to you, that's your whole day is planned off of accountability and structure. 
what do you do to keep yourself accountable Mm -hmm. when you're not being accountable? Yeah, that's hard. Because like I said, it could be like a downward downward spiral of depression. Yeah. Because then that whole like, oh my gosh, I didn't do this. So then you have these negative thoughts and emotions in your head. And then, you know, because that, then you're like, you're hard on yourself and it just keeps going, right? Mm -hmm. So, like I said, that 17 seconds when you wake up, you actually have that during the day too. Like, no, I'm changing that. I don't want to feel like this. Mm -hmm. So what can I do to get back on track? The number one thing, give yourself grace. I love that word because that means it's okay. It's okay. We, We do that every once in a while. That's fine. But try not to let it happen all the time. Then after you give yourself grace, then you just get right back on the plan that you have envisioned for yourself. Yeah. You know, and, and it's not always that easy. It's a learning experience, mm-hmm. right? But if you can just do it every single day, at least once a day, then it becomes, it, it can get, yeah, it comes, there's yeah. attraction behind it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so as a child and now an adult, what resources did you use? Obviously, you had a harder time finding those resources as a child because your structure was all based off of yourself. Um, but as maybe you grew older into like college or just your later life. <laughs> resources, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you know, as far as resources go when I was younger, I did have a, quite a few great friends in my life. You know, I had... Um, one of my, my dearest friends, Geneva, she, you know, her family allowed me to come and, you know, stay with them whenever I wanted. You know, we went on road trips together, you know, it was just, it was, it was a good resource for me to see a loving environment, you know, that wasn't toxic. Mm -hmm. So that was a good resource for me. Right. Um, school was a very good resource for me. Uh, my counselors, You know, I had amazing counselors. I had amazing teachers, you know, that actually did care, you know, um, and, and also physical activity, you know, that's again, where I am in my, my career. Yeah. Physical activity for me was huge for, um, the resources for myself, you know, movement, getting, you know, getting my frustration or my anxiety out with sports. You know, I was a, an elite athlete since I was 11 years old and that kept, kept my nose clean for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So what gave you inspiration when there was no hope? Just sports and that there are good people. And... Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, I try and live my life every day with love and compassion for others, you know, and, and I, and not necessarily that I love everyone or I like everyone. You don't have to love everyone and you don't have to like everyone. But if you try and, and believe that there is, you know, love and compassion in everybody that is, is around you, it can really do a lot, you yeah. know. And I think I've been, I've been like that since I was little. I've always looked at people, you know, for the, the, the good in them, you know. And I've, I've always been that little kid that's always smiled, you know, <laughs> and hoped that somebody would smile back at me. Yeah. And so... Well, that's that's probably yeah it's a good one yeah <clears throat> so before covid you held wellness camps how do you format them and why do you format them that way or yeah. do you want to maybe talk about what they are also yeah so it's more like empowerment wellness camps especially for young adults where you know they have a safe space to come and talk about what's going on with you know their world their lives you know what's going on mentally you know because there's so much pressure 
in society, especially now with all the social media and, you know, just feeling like you don't look a certain way or you don't act a certain way or you don't have this or you don't have that. There's so much pressure Mm -hmm. that I think, especially for young, for young adults, you know, you get so wrapped up in that, that it, you become numb to who you really are underneath, you know, like I honestly, you know, materialistic things and money don't impress me. You know, for me, it's how you treat others and how you treat yourself that really impresses me, Yeah. you know? And so, you know, I, and I just, like I said, I really want to have a space where, you know, young adults can come and talk about pressures and anxiety and, and how we can get through it, you know, from an adult. Mm -hmm. And so the, you know, the empowerment camps are, you know, moving movement, you know, through, through exercise, talking about nutrition, talking about, you know, sleep habits, talking about, um, you know, just all over, all around, uh, wellness mentally, physically, and spiritually, you know, and just to have, like I said, have a safe space and then hopefully, you know, they, I can implement things for them to, to, to to use on a daily basis. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. How long have you been holding those for before COVID? Why, right before COVID, I didn't get to have any because I just opened my gym just mm-hmm. a little under two years ago. But um, I would hold these probably, you know, once every couple months for okay. the last like five or six years. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've been doing it for a good amount of time. Yeah, and then I used to do stuff too when I was in high school um, with with friends and like even like uh, middle schoolers or elementary kids. I used to just go out and do it on my own with like different you know, church groups or different like, you know, community groups and stuff like that. So I've been doing yeah. them for a really long time, even yeah. as a, as a youngster. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think it's impacted you to see these kid these younger kids and you're in a way teaching them so much and how to take care of themselves with ha- good, ha- healthy habits yeah. and routines and everything. How do you think that's like really affected you? Has it just made you grateful for where you are today? Oh my gosh, that is such a good question. And it's funny because, you know, it's funny because you say, you know, that I coach and teach, but I always say this, I am actually a student first and then a teacher second. I learned so much from my clients. I learned so much from you guys. I learned so much from you. You know, I'm so like impressed and I mean constantly by your generation and how much you guys are just not just like vocal about what's going on, but like the realization that you guys do listen, you know, you're listening know, to right? things. Yes. And it, it impresses me so much. Yeah. And I learned so much from you guys that brings me back to when, you know, I was your age and, and like, how can I implement what I've learned into what you guys are learning? Because obviously, you know, I'm 45, you know, so I, I was raised in a completely different era than you guys. And so things have changed, you know, progressing and, you know, stuff like that. So the things that you guys are into versus what what I was into at 16 are completely different, you know? So I use that uh, in correlation to figure out how to coach better. And so I'm learning so much from you guys and and actually makes me me even more full, you know, it's really cool. I really love doing this kind of stuff. And I, I wish more adults would do it, really, because yeah. you learn so much. You, I've learned so much. You've learned so much. Everything. <laughs> yeah. So when I asked you who your mentor was, you said it was yourself, which I love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why is this message so important? Because really, at the end of the day, you are your, you. Are you. 
you know, you're in control of who you are, you know, who, how you act, um, you know, honestly, you at the end of the day are accountable for yourself. You know, you're your own motivation. You're your own cheerleader. There's so many more that I could add in that. Yeah. But like I said, at the end of the day, you are your own motivation. You are your own mentor. And it's yeah. really hard to understand that. But with some, some, some training and some, some, you know, really self, you know, self-realization, you can get there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's possible. It really is. Living your truth is a message you've always supported and always have stated. What would you want a loved one to know about how to support someone who's trying to navigate that time in their life? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and the only reason why I, I, I live like that now is because I was unable to live like that as a child. I hid my childhood for so long. Even some of my closest friends didn't really understand what was going on with me, you know, Right. I, I, w- I was very careful about who to invite into my environment at my home because I was afraid of what they might think or, you know, what they might see or what they might, might think of me. So, you know, I've as, as, as you progress as an adult, you really, you know, are like live authentically, you know, live your truth. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so, you know, that that's just really where I've I've kind of come from now. <laughs> yeah and I feel like we can all kind of remember that yeah it's like something we could all remember yeah you've been through so many traumatic experiences what are some of the unexpected gifts that have come from them well one of them is meeting you <laughs> you know um and and also I think having the the ups and the downs in life and being able to get out of the downs Right. You know, we all have things that we can celebrate, even if they're small um, or if they're just, you know, grandiose, you know, you can celebrate (laughs) something that's great and, you know, wonderful. But you also have to realize that you have to celebrate the stuff that isn't always great. You know, there's the shadow work, the darkness that comes with life. And you have to be grateful to also go through those things as well. You know, you can't just always, you know, uh, celebrate the good things. Celebrate getting through the the dark times too, you know, because that's what makes you who you are, you know, an, an evolved person. Absolutely. Really, it really is, you know, and, and, and a lot of people do struggle with that, with, you know, celebrating themselves in the darkness, mm-hmm. right? Because you feel so down and lonely and, you know, like there maybe there isn't any hope or anything, but... If, I, I mean, man, if you can get through those dark periods, that is a huge thing to celebrate, even more so than something that's, you know, yeah. that everybody celebrates, <laughs> Absolutely. right? That, I think that's the biggest thing right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree. I was um, thinking about it the other day, and I was like, there's so much to be thankful for with Thanksgiving around the corner. Mm-hmm. I was like, they might not be the biggest things with COVID and everything, but all of the, like, little tiny things to be thankful for, like, just all add up. Yeah, so, no, yeah. practicing gratitude every day, you know, it's, and, and that, not just gratitude for like, oh, I got a new phone, or I got a new this, or I got a new outfit, you know, or this or that. It's like, it's grateful for what you already have, Yeah. you know, because especially right now during COVID, you know, there's so much that people don't have, you know, and just waking up with gratitude every morning of like, wow, just look around and just be like, wow, gra- I'm grateful. How yeah. can I not be happy right now? 
Yeah. How can I not? You know, mm-hmm. even if even people who don't have very much, you know, just be grateful that you have something, you know, and that sparks so much different mind training than, you know, oh, I wish I had this or I wish I had that. Just pra- practice, you know, gratitude every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Allie, thank you so much for speaking with me today and sharing your story with us. Your story is authentic, courageous, and vulnerable. I thank you for being such an inspiration to me and so many others. Thank you for the great work that you share. Is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you would like our listeners to know? Well, first of all, thank you so much. (laughs) I'm honored to be able to share my story and Hopefully that it will, you know, allow, you know, somebody else to share theirs or also just not feel alone, you know, even though there's a huge age gap with a lot of your listeners, I was once your age, you know, and even though it's at different times, you know, we all go through the same stuff in, in our inner being, you know, growing up and feeling different things. And, you know, um, I guess the last thing that I would want to share is that, you know, you're never alone and we all know this, but to actually feel it is a different thing. Yeah. You know, so I, you know, I guess for me and I'm going to, and I'm going to speak to both sides, you know, you're a lot of your listeners, but also the listeners that are parents yeah. or adults, you know, you know, as, as a, as a kid or a young person, you know, if you feel like you're not being heard, you need to make sure that you're being heard. Yeah. You know, don't just talk, yeah. you know, really, really put your foot down and say, I need you to listen to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and when you, and when you're talking to someone, especially if it's a parent or an adult and you feel like you're not being heard because there's no action involved after the situation, then you go back and you say, what did I just talk about? Mm-hmm. You know, and then on the parent or the adult side, really, truly listen to your kids you know, like I said before earlier, listening and hearing are two different things. Absolutely. You know, and I wish I had a parent that heard me, not just saw me, but heard me, you know, because seeing and hearing is very different. So listen and hear your kids and see them for what they are and, and, and really get down into it, you know, even if it, even if it's painful, Yeah. because painful is actually a pretty good thing to go through. Mm-hmm. You would be surprised on what comes on the other end of that situation. Just look at you. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. also, you know, I am, and I, my door is always open. Mm-hmm. Always, you know. Yeah. I am, I am, ne- I never turn any anybody away that needs an ear or yeah. a shoulder. Yeah. You know, I'm there. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so You're much welcome. again. Thank you. And I hope everyone can learn something from this or just, you know, feel a little bit better. Yeah. Thank you, Lily.